KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Immigration will be a key and important issue for the Biden administration to address. So what should we expect? What has already been proposed by the administration? We wanted to learn more, so we reached out to Jennifer Lee. She is an associate clinical professor of law at Temple University's Beasley School of Law. Give a listen. I'd like to kind of start just in an overview, going from a Trump administration to a Biden administration with regards to immigration policy. Are we doing almost a complete 180? So I think we're, we're, I don't know if it's a complete 180, but what I would say is that many of the things that were done by the Trump administration, it seems fairly clear that the Biden administration is going to be undoing those things. So some of the most notable things that happened under the Trump administration, for example, the attempt to rescind the DACA program, which is the program for It's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. This is for immigrant youth. That program, you know, that's that's a big thing. The travel bans um, on individuals from countries that are Muslim majority countries, right? Like those are two very clear things that we saw the Biden administration, you know, January 20th, right, turn around, right? So January 20th, we get Um, an executive order sort of revoking, or it's actually was a proclamation saying that, uh, you know, discriminatory bans are going to be revoked, right? And so that's a complete sort of reversal of that policy by the Trump administration. And then, you know, we, we saw a memo issued by the Biden administration about fortifying, you know, the, the DACA program. I think that, you know, there's certain elements in which we will see complete reversals. I think the area that's the big, open question that a lot of advocates, immigrants, immigration lawyers are, are, are curious about is what's going to happen with interior enforcement, right? And, and to me, I don't necessarily see at this point a complete reversal between administration to administration. I think there will definitely be changes, but it's not like the Biden administration is going to dismantle immigration enforcement. It does seem, though, that immigration is pretty high on the depth chart of priorities for this administration. I think COVID is kind of in its own category, uh, but uh, it seems to me that immigration might be next or right near the top, no? Yeah, and I, I think part of that is in response to the you know, I would say over the past four years, the, the, the sort of consistent assault that we saw on um, immigration policies and immigrants within the U.S., right? And so I think in some sense, it is the Biden administration trying to undo or reverse some of that sentiment. And I think that, you know, in terms of they have set forth generalized principles in terms of a bill that they're interesting interested in seeing enacted, right? This is the Comprehensive Immigration Reform Bill. And that's been a long time coming, right? So the last time Congress, I mean, the Senate passed the version in 2013, right? That's the last time we really saw comprehensive immigration reform discussed within Congress. And so that's been a long time coming. And that does seem to be a priority of this administration. And you mentioned that giant bill that the administration kind of put forth right out of the gate. Uh, kind of give, give us the top line here. What what are some of the important things that this legislation 
as the Biden administration has put forth uh, would do? Yeah, so I think one of the most important things that people have been hearing about is a legalization program. There'd be a fast track program and a slower track program. So on the faster track, they're looking to provide legalization. So in other words, lawful permanent residency or green cards to people who are you know, DACA folks. So again, the immigrant youth group, also to farm workers, as well as to folks with temporary protected status who are people from various countries who um, essentially the U.S. has allowed to live lawfully in the United States and work for a number of years. Uh, there are various countries that have had you know, people who have TPS from various countries. And these programs have gone on for years and years where people have, you know, uh, had children here, developed roots here, right? But then TPS can just be revoked, which is what the the Trump administration had done with certain countries. Um, And so this bill would also be looking at that category of people to sort of fast track to get lawful permanent residency. It also is looking at legalization for the broader undocumented population that met certain criteria, right? And so they call it an earned legalization program, and it's not 100% clear to me what that criteria is going to be. But in the 2013 bill, we had something that looked fairly similar, and it was a lot about people paying taxes, people um, people's uh, criminal background was going to be relevant and their time in the U.S. Um, so we, I, I'm not it's not 100 percent clear to me what people are going to have to have to earn that, that legalization for the other category. That would be on a slower track than those other three priority categories that I mentioned. So that's one huge thing that the bill does is is tries to provide lawful permanent residency to a huge swath of folks. The other thing that it does is, you know, our family, one of the major ways in which people immigrate to the U.S. is through family-based visas. Um, And it's because they have family members here who have various kinds of status. And there are enormous waiting lines depending on what country you come from, right? So even if you have the entitlement to be able to get lawful permanent residency through a parent, for example, or um, through a spouse, depending on what country you're from and, you know, various other factors, you may be waiting in a line for 10 years until you can get that card. And so there's been one of the things that I think the proposal is looking at is, is, is getting rid of some of those wait times, right? So making it easier for people to uh, you know, who do actually qualify to to be able to get, you know, to get status uh, in in a more prompt manner. You know, there's also been part of the proposals also looking at work visas and sort of rejiggering some of the issues that have come up with work visas. So that's another part of the proposal. And then I think there was some discussion, too, about sort of trying to further protect workers immigrant workers who are subject to exploitation. Currently, we have something that's called a U visa that's for crime victims. Um, and I think there's there was also, as part of the proposal, trying to expand that to include, you know, undocumented workers, for example, that might suffer from exploitation um, to be eligible for certain kinds of visas. So those were the, you know, sort of big categories in the proposed legislation. To me, as a layman, this seems very bold. Is it? as bold as it appears. 
I, I mean, I don't think so in the sense that it really looks like the 2013. <laughs> it looks fairly similar to the 2013 Comprehensive Immigration Reform Bill. I mean, again, the devil's in the details. And so, you know, one could say that things look different in different places. Um, but the legalization package portion, which is sort of the the key thing, I mean, that looks fairly similar to what was in the Comprehensive Immigration Reform Bill in 2013. I, the only category that seems different to me is TPS being fast-tracked, but DACA and agricultural workers were fast-tracked in that 2013 bill, and then there was a generalized program for earned legalization for other folks. What are your, I don't know what I want to say, hopes. how much of this do you think we could actually see become law. Are you optimistic that there is an appetite for legislation to this point, or are we just going to be in the same hamster wheel that we've been in for years where we have these discussions, it gets bogged down in Congress, and it just kind of fades away? That's a million-dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> and I, I don't think I have a, you know, I'm, I'm not good at sort of predicting the future, so I don't know that I really know. I mean, some ideas on that are that it feels to me like the issue that always comes up with these bills is the fact that folks who are seeking to restrict immigration, if they're going to make some concessions about you know, creating legalization programs for some folks, they want to see border controls. They want to see enforcement you know, stricter enforcement measures. And so what always happens and how it sort of broke down in 2013 as well is that you have this sort of balancing of trying to pass a bill where you're trying to provide relief to a bunch of immigrants, but sort of outside, you're also at the same time doing trying to do much harsher things against immigrants and immigrant communities and incoming immigrants. And that becomes a really hard balance to 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 get to. And so ultimately that's where the politics sometimes break down is sure. We'll legalize a, a bunch of immigrant youth, but in exchange for that, you know, we want to, you know, increase border controls in X, Y, Z ways. And that's, you know, I think that's really hard because when you think of sort of immigrant communities, right, there's not just one kind of immigrant there, right? And so I think what we hear a lot about, for example, from immigrant youth is, okay, great, you're doing something for me because, you know, DACA is a very sympathetic story, you know, within sort of the, you know, when we talk about immigration, right? I mean, I don't remember what the figures are, but, you know, I know that in polls that there's definitely majority support for some sort of pathway of, for citizenship for DACA folks, right? But what about their parents? You know, like what, you know, like there, there are all these sort of questions about, you know, what about the parent that's been separated from them that's already been deported? Like, what about that person? Like, what happens to them under the bill? Like, do they then get harsher penalties, but the immigrant youth gets the status, right? And so I think those are the, a lot of the questions that get asked by the by immigrant advocates and the community is sort of, you know, there's sort of these differentiation between components of the community and that that is problematic from the advocacy side. And I think from the restrictionist side, you know, they see that maybe some of these concessions have to be made, but they but they want to see that there, there are stronger immigration controls. And so that's where stuff breaks down and where I'm not saying that it's not possible for it to happen, but I just, we've been here before because of those competing interests. And that's what makes it so difficult. How much disservice are we doing to everyone on the immigration front 
by having the vast majority of action be in the form of uh, executive action, executive orders, instead of legislation, because you get the whiplash going from one administration to the other. And I think that's one thing to have that happen from an intellectual discussion standpoint, but these are people's lives. These are people's livelihoods that are on the line that are, you know, could vastly change, be shattered, be, be saved by the stroke of a pen. How much disservice are we doing by relying on executive orders and not doing the serious work of making policy? So I, I think there's sort of a couple ways of thinking about that. So I think that in terms of creating immigration status, right, which means lawful permanent residency, which eventually allows you to apply for citizenship, the only way that can happen is through Congress, right? The executive cannot, I mean, that's why we have the DACA program, right? The DACA program that provides folks with something that's called deferred action status, which allows them to work in the U.S., but it does not actually provide them with any kind of permanent immigration status. So I think just as a basic matter, which is maybe confusing given all the executive orders that have been thrown around, it's important to remember that the only way to get a pathway to citizenship is through Congress, right? So Congress has to create those pathways. And so in that sense, I think it's 100% right that one needs to focus on the congressional pathway because the executive can't do anything about it, right? And even these programs like DACA and the DAPA program, which was the um, program that was created for parents of U.S. citizens that was was enjoined by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And so ultimately, you know, there are some sort of issue. There, there are lots of issues with sort of trying to do things for immigrants at the executive level, right, in terms of immigration status. But I do have to say that the executive is, 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 does have power in terms of other things that are really significant to immigration. So, so while they cannot create status, and that's, that's something that only Congress can do, the entire apparatus of enforcement is within the executive, right? So what I'm talking about here is I'm talking about immigration and customs enforcement, right? Which is folks call ICE, right? And that's the arm of the Department of Homeland Security that arrests, detains, and deports immigrants from the United States. And that whole entity, you know, in terms of what they do and how they do it and who they choose to pick up and who they arrest, right? All of that stuff is subject to executive discretion, right? Like prosecutorial discretion. And so it is really significant that the executive have, you know, policies in place, that they have procedures in place that determine how they're gonna, how they're gonna maneuver that enforcement apparatus, right? And, and I think what we'll see is that that's gonna be quite different from, you know, the Trump administration to the Biden administration. Doesn't mean that, you know, Immigrant communities are going to get everything that's on their wish list? Absolutely not. But that's where the executive, I think, is really significant because they do administer this day-to-day stuff. They also administer the day-to-day stuff on the benefits side, right? So if you're actually the one standing in line trying to get this visa that I was talking about through a family member, right? Like all that processing is done by the executive agency. And so and the whole court system, too, for deciding immigration cases at you know, the sort of initial levels, right? All of that is also within the executives. So there are lots of ways in which the executive plays a significant role 
in determining immigration policy. It's just that when we're talking about citizenship and status, that is entirely about Congress. So I don't know if that helps to sort of explain the distinction between the two. I mean, both things are important, but you're right. There's some things that the executive really can't do at the end of the day, right, that Congress needs to do. Right before we started our discussion, I was reading about going back to the Biden, uh, the legislation proposed by the administration on immigration, that uh, the president said he'd be open to breaking it up into smaller pieces and doing it that way. Do you think that is more likely than getting this entire uh, legislation pushed? And is it smarter to get the wins where you can and not get bogged down, let the whole thing go because you can't get everything you want? Yeah, so I think that that is a really great question and one that, I mean, one could think about from a practical standpoint, as you're pointing out, like, which I think is the practical standpoint of, you know, if you try to do everything, it gets bogged down, right? I I think that's definitely a fair point. But I think from an advocacy standpoint, a lot of advocates might think of it differently, which is, you know, this idea that because I keep using the DACA example, but it's true. I think we could get and if we had to get a DREAM Act enacted, which is essentially, you know, providing a pathway to citizenship for DACA folks, we could probably do that and get it done. Right. But I think from the immigrant advocacy standpoint, there are reasons why they don't want to separate issues out. Right. Because there's power in that group and power in their advocacy that's going to sort of get lost if we just sort of pick the favored groups that have the, you know, that, that are the easy answers, right? Agricultural workers are another easy answer because the agricultural lobby is pushing really hard for that to happen, right? And so if we sort of tick those off easily, I don't know that we're going to get back to this discussion about everybody else, right? And so I think from a standpoint, and this is, you know, if I can talk about my personal inclinations, it's sort of where I file in terms of when we think about the overall movement for immigrant rights and thinking about undocumented immigrants in the U.S., I think it'd be sort of a bad strategy to just think about picking off these little topics because it's really a fight about everybody rather than a fight just about, you know, certain select people who, you know, seem, quote unquote, palatable to the public. Um, And like I said, this is we're talking about like even within a family, right, you could see a child having status, but the parents not having status, right? Because they don't fall under that favored category. And what, you know, what does that mean for, for entire communities? And so I think it's really important that issues are dealt with comprehensively rather than in a piecemeal fashion for that reason. And to, to, to wrap up, are you guardedly optimistic going forward that we will get more right than wrong on the immigration front here, given what you've seen in legislation, in in discussion and stuff like that? Yeah, definitely cautiously optimistic. I mean, I guess it's, it's all about whether you're going to compare to what it was <laughs> or whether you're going to sort of look forward. And I think if you compare it to what it was, I mean, there's just no question that 
this is going to be a really different administration vis-a-vis immigration policy. And, and that's going to be a positive thing for many immigrants in the U.S. or immigrants who are trying to come into the U.S. So I think that's like definitive. I guess the open question that everybody's asking is, OK, well, how far is it going to go? Right. And so some of this is about the, you know, the ability to pass some sort of legislation that we just talked about. Some of it's about, you know, how are they going to how are they going to reform interior enforcement, which, you know, at least for the past four years, has just been really something that's created and instilled a lot of fear in immigrant communities and torn families apart. Um, and so some of the questions about what's going to happen with that, what's going to happen with the enormous immigration detention system where we detain tens of thousands of people in the United States you know, in detention, right? Civil detention, right? This isn't prison. So I think uh, those are really big open questions that we'll only get to see what happens as we go along. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.